listen, when you, when you talk about spiritual growth, when you think about spiritual growth, what comes to your mind? What do you, what do you think about? Huh? Going deeper? What? Greater intimacy with the Lord? Okay. Think about facts, information. I mean, really, that's, that's really what we do. You know, spiritual growth for us is, is really important. And because if you look at any statistics, they'll tell you that there is no difference in the lifestyles between those that are in the church and those that are outside the church, those that are going, those that profess to be believers, and those that don't profess to be believers. That's the facts. When you get down to the, to the, to the, to the nitty-gritty, when you get down to the surface, the foundation, there isn't a difference. Now, I would probably say this. We got a problem. We've got a problem. If there's, if there's not a difference in the lifestyles of those of us that profess Christ and those that don't profess Christ, we've got an issue. And so in the beginning days when we talked about what, is, what are some of the things that we want heritage to, to, to be about, one of the things that we, we wanted to be about was spiritual growth. Not just more knowledge that we can put in our head, but people that actually believed in their heart who God was and what God was about and to live that out and to apply it into everyday life. And um, in this series that we talk about, the four G's are basically four truths about God that will help us live life and make choices that are pleasing to him. Um, Brian, you want to say something about that because you've been involved in this in, in sort of working through this for a while in reference to the four G's. Like we said last week, the idea that many times what we believe in our head or what we know in our head is not really what we believe in our heart. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is, and then sometimes certain circumstances come about, and then all of a sudden we quit believing that God is actually what he says he is, great, or today, glorious. And so we talked about the idea of shrinking that gap between what we know in our head and what we believe in our heart, and that process is called sanctification or spiritual growth, growing to be more like uh, the person, man or woman, that God wants us to be. So obviously if we sin less, then we're becoming more like a perfect God who is uh, without sin. And, you, and, you, and you, we, we had shared something with you the other day about sin, and every, behind every sin there's a lie that we believe about God. You want to yeah, instead of thinking, Well, instead of thinking that, okay, I need to stop, this behavior or fix this attitude those are those are things we need to do but those are symptoms of a greater of something deeper mm -hmm. deeper something we said last week heart. at the root at the heart mm -hmm. and what that is is uh is the actual the thing that we're believing and we're usually putting something in the place of god whether it's ourselves or someone else or something else and those are of course idols and those things are help are causing us to have all the other symptoms of the attitudes or the actions that we need to change, but we have to address the root, too. We have to believe in our heart. Last week, God is great. I don't have to be in control of this situation. And when we talk about the heart, we talk about the center of who we are. It's the center. That's why the Proverbs, the writer in Proverbs said this in, in Proverbs 4.23. He said, guard the heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Or another translation says, from without of the heart, wellspring, things happen. It's from out of the heart that we make decisions. Not what you say, not what you, the facts that you know, but it's from without of the, out of our hearts that we make choices 
on a daily basis. And so this is what we said last week, the fruit is a result of the root. The fruit, what we do, how we live, the choices that we make, is a result of what's at the center of who we are. Not what we say, not even what we say we believe, but what we truly believe deep down in our heart. Um, we, we had started off last week with a memory verse in John chapter 8. If you have a copy of God's Word with you, I want to go back and we want to briefly discuss it just again. But this is what it says in John, in the New Testament, and what John wrote in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. And this is what Jesus said, and, and we want to discuss it. So listen just very carefully. You are truly my disciples. Now, there are those of us that say that we're, we're God's. We say we're God's disciple. We say that we're a follower of Christ. But here's Jesus saying to those that were listening, those that were believing, he says, you are truly my disciples if you remain, if you remain, if you hold on, if you abide faithful to my teachings, faithful to my teachings. And you will know the what? Truth. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you. Now, in, in the scriptures, what we find out in reference to, to, to Hebrew rabbis, a rabbi's teaching was called a yoke. A yoke. We know a yoke is something that you place on the back of an oxen to, to, give, to, to give guidance, to direct um, to make the path straight. If you're a plowing a field, if any of you are old enough to remember, which I remember this as a small child, placing the oak on the, uh, a yoke on the back of a, of a cow that we would plow. And yes, I'm that old. I remember that. Um, but it, it, would, it, would, it, would, it would guide, it would direct. And hear, hear what Jesus is saying. If you will hold on to my, if you will remain faithful to my teachings, if you will accept my yoke, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, it's unique because Jesus is the same one that said, if you'll take my yoke upon you, in Matthew chapter 11, he said, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. The way of salvation and through the Old Testament, and some of us still practice this today, we believe that our salvation is through what? Obedience to the law. Works. Doesn't happen. Through God's grace, not of works, through faith that none of us can claim. Our salvation today is through, through God's grace, through faith in him alone. And here's Jesus saying, you are truly my disciples. You are my followers. You are, you are believers. If you remain faithful to my teachings, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And we said last week, don't we want to be free? Don't we all want to be free? We want to be free. Not to be bombarded with all this stuff. So last week we looked at the first G. Brian told us about the first G. It was God is great so I don't have to be in control. And, and uh, what we asked you last week, we sort of challenged you, listen, I want you to take this and let's just see how many times this comes into play in our lives. Um, Holy Spirit revealed to us when I'm trying to take back the reins, when I'm at the place that things aren't going the way that I want to, and, and I'm, trying to, I'm trying to lead instead of saying, okay, God, you got it. Did anybody here have an example of something that you went through last week and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit spoke to you and said, wait a minute, hold up, I got this. Anybody? Yes, ma'am. 
Miss Wendy, what happened? Brady had to have surgery on his finger. That's right. And it, first of all, the doctor, I think, told you you were going to lose it, right? And how old is Brady? He's five years old. It was a, yeah, it's his baseball hand, which is really important. It's very important. And so all of a sudden, you're faced with this thing of, okay, this is what's going on. And, and you had to, and the Holy Spirit spoke to you and said, Wendy, I got this thing. I got this thing. Did you hear yourself say, God is great, so I don't have to be in control? Couldn't do anything about it. God, you got it. Somebody else where you've experienced something this past week uh, and you've, the Holy Spirit's brought it to your mind and you've had to say, God's in control. Anybody else? Yes. Wow. So a situation with family, with mom and dad, been married for 30 years, they're having problems, you're probably facing the stress of what can I do, how can I fix this thing, and in the midst of it you say, okay, God, you're great, I'm not great, you're the one that's in control, and so I'm just going to leave this, and just watching God be at work in the midst of that. Somebody else. Yes, Alicia. He's in control. That's right. I can look back, you know, Brian and I were sort of lonely this past week because uh, our wives went back to school. We've made a decision that when week, two weeks prior to school, we're going to move in together and uh, <laughs> we're going to let Meredith and Brooke move in together and let them do their thing and we'll do our thing. And, uh, but I told Meredith the other day, I said, listen, you've had a, you've had a, a wifeless husband and, and, a, and a motherless children the past few days because of just being so busy. It's just the way it is. And uh, I took Caleb the other day and... <clears throat> And I just, I got aggravated because sometimes I get aggravated. You ever got aggravated? So I took Caleb along with me. I said, come on, let's go find out who your mother's hanging out with. <laughs> so, so at 7.30 at night, we pull up and it's her and Brooke, the only ones at the school working. So, uh, and so anyway, but sometimes, sometimes we say God's in control, yet uh, we laugh because we said, well, God's in control. And I said, yeah, but I'm doing everything I can to manipulate it right now. Because when things don't go our way, when things don't go our way, we take control. That's the deal. We take control. But the first G is this. How do we apply that? And if you listen, the Holy Spirit will reveal to you and say, hey, man, shh, listen, I'm great. You don't have to worry. So what? God, it's yours. But we've got to be willing. And we said last week that 
when that time comes, repentance isn't just a one-time event, but it is an ongoing moment by moment by moment that we train ourselves. I think it's key to understand that when we do these things, this is the sin. You know, we're, we're, it's not just, oh, I forgot, guys, you're in control. We just it's, don't want to do it. Right, it's, it's I, I'm acting like I think I, at this moment I would probably do a little bit better job than you, so thank you, but let me handle this. And, and that, that's a big deal. And we, don't all, we, we think it's uh, just kind of surfacey or comical, but that's the root at, at what is uh, at the bottom of many of the sins that we have. And so, yeah, it's key that we need to realize it's sin, and then we need to repent and then move ahead in faith. Not move ahead in guilt or all those kinds of things, but repent and move ahead in faith. And when you catch yourself doing it again, stop. God, I'm sorry. I'm really having a hard time today. I'm really trying to be the control freak today, and I know it's you. And, and, and I'm going to move aside and let you do it. I'm sorry again, and I'm going to move ahead in faith that you are great, and I don't have to be in control. So spiritual growth isn't just knowing in our heads, but it's the transfer, it's the shrinking of what we know in our heads and what we believe in our heart. Does that make sense? That as we, as we grow in Christ, there's a progression. And, and we've said that a walk, Paul talks about our spiritual journey of being a walk. To walk to get someplace, you've got to put one foot in front of the other. Step by step by step. And if you'll listen, the Holy Spirit will speak. Well, we're going to talk about the second G today, and that is that God is glorious. And if God is glorious, which he is, it means that I don't have to fear others. Now, how many of you would say, well, I'm not afraid of anybody. What do you mean? Fearful? I'm not fearful. Matter of fact, you're probably going, who's he talking to? Because, you know, I got it under control. But if God is glorious, which he is, I don't have to fear others. What are some examples of fearing other people? That's a really good one. What? Spouses. You fear your spouse. Okay. Mercy. Bullying. Okay. Okay. Acceptance, the fear of not accepting and not accept, being accepted. Mm -hmm. What else? What? Intimidation. What else? Rejection. How might the fears of other people affect us? You ever think about that? You talk about rejection, you talk about intimidation, you talk about the fears of... But how might the fears of other people affect us? Decisions, choices, anger, bitterness, mm -hmm. stress. Um, and so in life, we've got to make a choice who we're going to choose to fear. Are either we're going to fear man or we're going to fear God. Um, and our, our, who we fear determines the choices that we make. That's just the truth. Matthew uh, 10, 28 says, Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They can't touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. It's not talking about here just about a physical, but people can hurt us emotionally. People can hurt us financially. People can hurt us positionally. People can hurt us in a multitude of different ways. And we, we've, heard, we've said it before, sticks and stones 
uh, can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And that's not true because we're afraid of that. We're afraid of what somebody else may say or what they may think about us. Um, just thinking back, and, and you don't have to, to verbalize this, thinking back over the past week, what are some ways that maybe you've responded out of fear towards other people? And maybe this week you've, you've responded, your fear has, has prompted you to make decisions that maybe otherwise you would not have made. Let me give you some examples, and Brian and I have talked about these, and you've come up with some really good ones. The way you dressed your kids this past week when you sent them to school. Whether or not your kid is in an accelerated or gifted class. Um, how you've felt about maybe have prompted you to purchase something that you didn't need, but you purchased it because somebody else had it. Um, what about involvement in a certain club or a certain group or a certain, um, a certain peer group? Those are important. How many times do we allow our fear of what somebody else thinks to control us, how we spend our time, how we spend our finances, where we end up vacationing, whether or not we vacation or not? How, how much of, of the fear of other people determines our work schedules or where we work or if we work? I remember growing up, you remember this, the kind of haircut you had. Especially for girls, right? See, for us growing up, what, what kind of haircut did we have back, back then? We had like the mullets and all that kind of stuff. So to sort of, I never you know, you never have a mullet. So see, it was the fair faucet look back in the early 80s, wasn't it? You know, everybody had to have the long flowing hair. But it's funny, we laugh about it, but how much of our fear controls and accentuates the things that we do, where we spend our time, how we spend our finances. Fear of man leads to performance and that's a problem and you know what it does it leads to enslavement and bondage slavery you know you say what are some of the symptoms of, of fear i want to read some to you and just see if maybe you've 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 experienced some of this in your past not even today here's some symptoms of the fruit of placing the fear of man over the fear of god um anybody a people pleaser how many will avoid conflict out of fear of what somebody else may say or think how many, how many people, how many of us are easily convinced to do something is wrong, even when you know that it's, when it's, then it's not right? But you'll give in. How many will compromise convictions for pats on the back because you feel it's important? How many of us overcommit or are busy just to say, I want you to accept me. I want you to know how hard I work, so I'm going to tell you everything that I do and how busy and how important I am. Anybody there? Um, what about this? Has anybody ever, ever exaggerated or told a small lie, if there's such thing as a small lie, to boost yourself, to put you in a higher position? How many have ever looked at somebody else um, and, and been jealous or had the tendency to be depressed or angry or anxious because of what you thought somebody else felt about you? How many of you have portrayed something on the outside that you're not really on the inside just to be accepted? Whew. 
Anybody ever experienced that? Yeah, we all have. Why? Because we have a problem. The problem is that we fear man more than we fear God. If we're all honest, every one of us have been at that place somewhere along in life. How many of us pretend because we're looking for acceptance? What we believe in a heart affects how we live. Brian, what do you want to say? Well, we're constantly seeking others' approval. Whether you want to admit it or not, you might not seek everyone's approval, but there's someone. And you know, um, it's different for guys and girls. That might seem sexist or whatever, but it is, if you're honest. Girls, you even do this with some of your closest friends and your family members. You know, like, everything's great as long as, you know, everyone around you kind of dresses at least where you're at or lower, you know, or their husbands don't make much more money than your husband makes because then it all turns into you're all laughing because you know it's true. And guys, you know, we're okay with our friends making more money because that might mean, you know, tickets to a game or, or you know, <laughs> whatever. But, 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 guys, you'll, 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 you'll change completely who you are when that person that has the respect or the authority in your field of work walks in the room and you really desire their approval or their acceptance. That's what we do. And so... The, we're just constantly seeking that approval. And the world's fix for this is, well, just make yourself better. You know, that's why we have all these make yourself better books and TV shows and stuff. And then you won't feel bad about yourself, and then you won't care what everybody else thinks because you'll be better. The only problem with that is then you become dependent upon, upon whatever it was that made you feel better about yourself. You know, you went out and bought all these nice new clothes so that you feel better about yourself. Then all of a sudden you lose your job. You can't afford the nice new clothes. Now you feel bad about yourself again. And so it's just this, you know, this constant thing you're chasing. You know, you, you go out and you, you work, 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 work 90 hours a week to get that acceptance. Then all of a sudden you, you accidentally get laid off. You had no, no problem, nothing that you did wrong but the company can't afford you anymore, and now the thing, that job, that title that was making you feel better about yourself is gone, and now you feel bad again, and you're looking around at everyone else that has the nicer thing again, and you feel bad again. How, how many of us cycle. have ever, how, we laughed about this, how many of us have ever been upset because somebody showed up at the door and your house wasn't a certain way? You know, and you're like going, I know this just didn't happen. Well, I don't want her to think that I'm not that good of a housekeeper because I know she's a really good housekeeper. And if she sees my house the way it yeah. is right now, so I got to pretend that my house always looks perfect before she gets over here. <laughs> Everybody's giggling. Yeah. The problem is, the problem is, it's a serious issue at the root is that we're saying this person is so great and glorious that... I fear them. Well, and, and at, the, at the basis, our seeking to please others often leads in foolishness and ridiculousness. I mean, if you, if you, break, if you break it down, I mean, how many times has, have us trying to please somebody led to something that, that was just totally out of control? That's right. One thing that I have here is that the constant desire for approval and acceptance can cause us to gossip. It can keep us from speaking out on moral issues. We get on to other people when they do that, but then do we ever do that? It can also make us do things we really know are not right, eventually leading to guilt and resentment. If we fear others and what they may think of us, we may also be reluctant to admit our wrongs or ask for help, which often prolongs the conflict that we're in. We're afraid to maybe admit um, 
sin in our life because we don't want people to think that we're that kind of a person. And then when we are afraid to admit it to someone, we deal with it ourselves, which actually ends up making us be remaining in that sin because we're too prideful to admit that we're in the sin to get out of it, to get the help that we need. And Facebook is huge. I mean, because how many of us will write something on Facebook, you know, to portray a certain... You're with me. You're with me. Or, or you search Facebook to make sure that you're still as good as everyone else that you know. That's right. And if you're not, you've got to go figure out something that you can post that makes you feel better. But the number of stupid... I think there's a room full of people that are doing oh, that. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the stupid things that we do, though, I mean, we can, we can... I can give multitudes of scenarios about the young boy, the teenager that, that ended up in a car because he wanted to please some guys and ended up in jail as a result of that because of a burglary. That's a true story. He's hanging out with the wrong people. He just wanted to, to fit in with the crowd. Or the young girl that I knew that was a believer, that, was a that grew up in the church. She was a strong believer from what I knew at that time. She, she knew everything in her head, yet she so much desired to, because the grass looked greener on the other side over here. And those girls took her out, got her drunk, and left her. Um, and, and you know this. To hang around a group of people and all of a sudden you start dumping all your problems and all your, your cares. You know, ladies get together, guys. Man, you deserve better than that. I tell you what, the grass is green on the other side. You just need to find yourself another woman. You need to find yourself another man. Lots of troubles happen as a result of our fear of man over our fear of God. And sometimes they're not just serious. Sometimes they're just funny. Like I was trying to impress some people one time when I was in high school. And, you know, I, I got to thinking, well, I can do that. And so I did that. But instead of going around the skating rink like I was supposed to, nobody told, really had taught me how to turn. And so over the rail I went, and I was completely embarrassed, all because I was trying to gain the approval of some people that I with, was with that night. So there are symptoms, and I think we can identify the symptoms. The problem is that we fear man more than we fear God. The symptoms... Wow, they're multitudes. But how do you fix it? What's the solution to our problem? This is what Proverbs says in reference to wisdom. Proverbs 1.7, it says um, that the fear of the Lord comes out. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is, is the beginning of wisdom. The solution is for us to, to, to understand that, that man is not as weighty. He's not as significant. He, he is not as, as glorious as we sometimes make him out to be. That man is temporary, but God alone is glorious. God, alo God alone is weighty. God alone is significant. God alone is the one that we need to lift up. God's glory is bigger than anything that we can comprehend. This is what a guy by the name of John Owen said in his book in reference to God's glory. The glory of Christ, we have to admit that we can only grasp a fraction of the understanding of God. The glory is uncomprehensible, too big, too, too great. When you go back to the Old Testament, you look at some definitions or you look at some images or pictures that that the Bible gives us in reference to God's glory. Here are, some, here are some words that are used. Beauty, you've sung that this morning. Majesty, you've sang that. Splendor, excellence, radiance, light, 
God's glory in the scriptures are, are defined as a great cloud, a, a, a pillar of fire, lightning, earthquakes, uh, greatness, might, majesty. Um, and when we glory God, when we see God as glorious and we see him in his power and his might, we have a tendency to elevate God to the position that he needs to be. But so many times we fail to realize how glorious God truly is. Uh, you cannot over-exaggerate the glory of God. You can't do it. It's impossible. You cannot over-exaggerate. Uh, he cannot be over. He's the one who put the stars in place. He's the one that lifted the mountains. He's the one that lowered the valleys. He's the one that put the stars in, play, in place. He's the one that put the earth on the axis. He's the one that created the universe. He's the one that put all the stars in place. God is glorious. That's what the scripture has to say. And in Romans, Paul said this. He said, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who knows the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever and ever. God is, God is to be feared. He is worthy of worship. Not people, but God is glorious. Now, if we were to look at it from a perspective, there are really two ways, two places that we can see, and we're going to briefly discuss today, two places that we can see God's glory. One of those is creation. The second is redemption, the redemption of man. Creation, this is what the psalmist has to say. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. And if you, if you want to look at Psalms 104 in the Old Testament, this is really good because the psalmist reflects on God's creation. And he just doesn't go back to write to reflect or to repeat the facts that have been shared in reference to creation. But I see the psalmist sitting down in Psalm 104 and describing and doing the best that he can to try to interpret the greatness and the glory of God in creation. I want to read just a couple of passages for you out of that today. Psalms 104, let all that I am praise the Lord. Oh Lord, my God, how great you are. And for 35 verses, he goes on about describing the, the glory of God in creation. In verse 5, he says, you place the world on its foundation so it would never be moved. You clothe the earth with floods of water, water that covered even the mountains. And then in verse uh, 24, oh Lord, what a variety of things you've made. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. And then in verse 33, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live, and I will praise my God with my last breath. May all my thoughts be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. There's no telling how long it took the writer to pen these words. But this is what I, I, I sort of think him maybe sitting on the top of a mountain, mountain reflecting on God's grace and now on his glory just like a painter might do as he paints a picture. You ever seen that? Or a, a writer as he sits down and, 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 and writes a song. But he sits down to reflect on God's glory. And when he's done, he just didn't check it off and say, well, I've done for my devotional for the day. Okay, bless the meat, let's eat. Okay, I've done that too. Man, that time he, he spent with God 
he elevated God because he came into a great realization of how glorious and awesome God truly is. When's the last time you've taken that time to just reflect? When's the last time you've taken the opportunity to sit down and to realize just how big and how weighty God is? Do you ever do that? Or is what you do on Sunday mornings, is that your feel for the week? I often think, you know, that's why when people go off on mission trips or, or retreats or camps, there seems to be a, a growth that takes place because all of a sudden, God becomes center. You and I were discussing earlier, um, when, when, we, when we don't spend time, there's an intimacy that's lost. It was good for Meredith and I to go away on, on our 25th to be able to spend that time with just, just, just the two of us. Just the two of us. Da, da. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, but, but anyway, because you know what? In the busyness of life, you can lose intimacy. And you can lose and miss. Even though you may know her or know him or know him, without that undivided time, you can miss something. And you know what happens when you miss? You begin to... to to take it down. It's not as weighty as it is. It's not as weighty as what it should be. The glory isn't there. Um, slow down, not just to rest, but to reflect and focus on God's glory. You want to say something? Well, one of my favorite verses that talks about this is in the, the greatness, the how glorious. Psalm 93 says, The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. And I love the, the word picture that he is, he puts on majesty like a coat, you know. I mean, he's robed in it. And what we do is when we are the fear of man, we, we elevate things that are in and of themselves not bad. You know, I want love. I want acceptance. I want approval. But we elevate onto an unhealthy level to where that's what we're seeking most. Um, you know, for the teenage girl that says, if this guy doesn't love me, I just can't go on, you know. But, but that, that's, that's what we've done. You know, we, we think those little ideas when we're young, but even as adults, you know, if, if so-and-so, you know, doesn't like the things that I do or if he doesn't approve of me or if, if she doesn't like my whatever, um, then, then who am I? And we get this. And so elevating, this idea of elevating who God is helps us to, bring down the idea of, of man. And so, you know, wow, Jeff is a great, great guy. I really want him to think that I'm cool and like me, but he doesn't robe himself in majesty, right? It's just we forget to compare side by side with God at the moment that we're seeking the approval of everyone else. Does that make sense? We know right now, as we're talking about it today, Obviously, there's not anyone in our, no boss, no higher-up guy, no girlfriend, no mother-in-law. You know, there's not anyone out there that is so great that they're just as great as God that I should care so much deeply about whether or not they approve of me. But when we get into that situation and it's Thanksgiving Day and, you know, you really want your mother-in-law to think you cook mashed potatoes as good as she does... And, you know, you're so nervous that you have a terrible Thanksgiving day because you're worried about whether or not people are going to like the meal. That's a little bit sick. Right? 
We'll have but this we discussion do, at we, Thanksgiving again. But we do that. So, so the Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. That there, there's nothing else. He, you have, we all have, God, this great God that we're talking about, the one who robes himself in majesty. We all have his 100% acceptance, approval, and love. You already have it. And we see that in redemption. In redemption. Jesus won that for us on the cross. There's not anything that we can do, whether you were here today or whether you skipped out to play golf, whether you did your quiet time all week long or you were just mad because everything was going wrong in your life and you just didn't feel like doing it. No matter anything we do or do not do, you are 100% loved, approved of, and accepted by Jesus. You have that person's approval. Why in the world do we try so hard to get everyone else's? Complete approval. Complete. Not partial, but complete. But how many times do we try to gain God's approval through our works? But it doesn't work. It's been done. That price has been paid for. I mean, Jesus moved in. Here's God in redemption. And the whole story, everything that he did is recorded uh, in the scriptures in reference to the Israelite people and how God, how God removed them, how God prepared, how he, how he provided for them. And even in the midst of that, of all that God did, we see the scriptures talking to us in what Psalms 105 and 106 specifically. We see we're, we're here, even in the midst of everything that God had done in redeeming and, and bringing them out, they still rebelled against God. They still turned their back. They still, and we do the same thing, don't we? If everything that God has done, we still, yet we, we, in the midst of that, see God's unconditional love. And here it is in the, in the New Testament in reference to, to our Heavenly Father embracing us, loving us so much that He would send His Son, Jesus. And of all the things that took place, the suffering, the beatings, the crucifixion, you want to talk about God's glory Man, look at God's glory through His Son Jesus and what He did. And the power and the might. That's to be elevated in our lives, not our works. Not a church. Not a belief system. If you're going to elevate something, elevate what Jesus did because that is glorious. And what the, Hebrew, what the writer in Hebrews says, Long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days He has spoken to us through His Son. God promised everything to the, uh, to the Son as an inheritance. And though the Son was created, it created the universe, the, sun's, the Son radiates God's glory and expresses the very character of God. And He sustains us, everything by His mighty power and by His command. We have been cleansed from our sins. And in Philippians says it, man, it just talks about God's, God's glory in the midst through His Son, that He humbled Himself and He became obedient. And He died a criminal's death. He didn't die for us because of His sins, but He died because of our disobedience and our rebellion towards God. That He elevated, God elevated His Son to a place of honor, that His name would be above every name, and that eventually every knee would bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Listen, when you hear Jesus' name, what comes to your mind? When you hear the name of Jesus, what comes to mind? Do you all of a sudden go and you elevate? The Bible says that eventually every knee, every tongue confess and knee will bow. That's what it says. Glory. Man, God's glory seen in redemption through His Son, Jesus. I think that working for stuff, whether it's the salvation we're trying to work, you know, we want to be, prove it, you know, we want to be worthy of it. Or working to gain someone else's approval, it gives us something to do. And we like that because 
if I can get so-and-so to like me because they are really, really, you know, fit and muscular. If I can work for eight months and get fit and muscular and then they approve of me, then they approved of me because of what I did. Now I feel good about myself. Now I'm more glorious. So it's just like this, this that's where it gets really gross, right? Because then you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, I feel good about me because of all the things that I've done to be able to get everyone to like me. And it's just this vicious cycle. It took us in our group a few months ago when we were doing these. This one was one where it took us a while to talk through it to figure out what we were really saying. But in the end, every one of us were like, man, I struggle. God is glorious. I don't have to fear others. And I'm going around doing my best to seek everyone else's approval except for his. And when we elevate God high enough like we're talking about, what happens is we begin to seek his approval. And man's approval doesn't mean as much to us anymore. Well, we can know the facts and we can have the conversations, yet it's easy to forget. And when we forget God's glory, we can be distracted by, by man. True? When, when we forget God's glory, we can be distracted by man, which is temporary. This totally changes your relationships with people. Yeah. Completely. You, you know, if you, if you walk into the room and you're nervous because so-and-so is there and you're afraid of what they think about you, that, that's bondage. You see what I'm saying? If, if, if you're going around and you're, and you're wishing that she would eat a chicken leg and gain 50 pounds tonight. That, that's bondage. We're going to need to have like an hour of confession because you can see that they're laughing. If, if, you're, if you're wishing, if you get mad, if you can't stand him because he always has the newest, neatest car, newest, neatest phone, newest, neatest driver, whatever, and you just, I can't stand that guy. He's always got... Whatever. That, that's bondage. These really are people that, we're, that we've been called to love and to serve. And so um, Tim Chester in his book, um, You Can Change, he says this, The fear of God is liberating. We can take people's expectations seriously because we want to love them as God commanded. But we're not enslaved by them. We want to love them, so we want to take what they think seriously. But we're not enslaved by them. We don't serve them for what they can give us in return. Approval, love, affection, security, whatever. But by submitting to Christ's lordship, we're free to serve them in love. Do you see how that works? If you're only serving someone because you want them to love you back or accept you back, that, that's, that's bondage. But if we know that God is most glorious and we're seeking his approval... We can love and serve everyone around us and not worry about what happens in return. That's, that's very much freedom. That's liberating. Well, that's, that's, that's family. That's family. Your family knows you best. Your family knows your, your warts and they know your, your blemishes and, and they still love you. That's the family, isn't it? That's the family of God. That we don't have to live to impress one another. Um... But we can realize that God is glorious, and so we don't have to fear other people. Pass the scripture, and we, we close. Um, this is what the writer in Proverbs said, Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. So we've talked about the problem. The problem is, is that we elevate man over, over God, that we have a tendency to fear God more than we fear others. We've, we've talked about some of the fruit 
some of the fruit or some of the symptoms of fearing uh, man over God, but we've also talked about the solution, and the solution is how do we reflect, remind ourselves of God's glory and put him in that position, and to say, God, I, I, I want to obey you, not just talk about obeying you. I want to I I give you the weight as hard and as difficult as it is. I, I want to give you the significance. I want to remember all the things that you've done, and I want to give glory to you. And in that, that giving glory to God, flowing from a heart, changes our decisions. It changes our choices. It changes our relationships. And so over this next week, what we want you to do is we want you to think about that. We don't want you to forget about God is great, so I don't have to, I don't have to be in control. What we want to do is we want to add that next one to the list. God is glorious, so I don't have to fear others. And this next week, as we sort of go along, and as we go along, not as you go along, as we go along, let's ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us, why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it because I'm fearing God, or is it because I'm, in, I'm in living in fear of man? And if we find ourselves in the Holy Spirit for the believer, because if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit will speak to you if you're listening. He speaks to us all the time. But if we listen and the Holy Spirit says, listen, you're being foolish right now. What you need to do is you need to repent right then. Repent right then. Say, God, I'm sorry I was wrong. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not glorying you. I'm fearing man. Repent and change. Repent, turn, place your faith back in God and move ahead. So in the midst of your next week, God is great, so I don't have to be in control. But add to it this week that as you walk in the decisions you make, am I making this decision because I truly believe that God is glorious? Or am I making this decision out of fear of somebody else and what they may think about me or what, they, um, or, or what, they, um, what, I, what I want them to believe about me? So let's do that. Um, I just wonder if the Holy Spirit spoken to you today. That in the midst of our time, that there's not already something that he's revealed to you. Probably so. So what do you do? You ask the Lord for forgiveness. And the Bible says in John 1, 9, that if we are, 1 John 1, 9, that if we are faithful to ask him forgiveness, that he is, he's faithful to forgive us of those sins and cleanse us. Spiritual growth isn't just about knowing the facts. It is about believing the heart. And sanctification and growing in Christ's likeness is shrinking that distance between what we know in our head and what we believe in our heart. That's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. That's the kind of family that I want to be a part of. That's a challenge for me because it's a whole lot easier to do church than it is to be the church, isn't it? So we're going to be challenged this next week, and so it'll be really neat to see what happens in some of the stories that we'll tell as we reflect. Anything else, ma'am? Can we pray? Let's pray. Father, as we go back and we reflect on today, um, this has really caused me to take a, a deep look at my own life and and things that I do and why I do them. And, and I have to confess that there are so many times that I fall short that, Lord, that I am looking for the approval of other people. Um, and, and, and God, would you forgive me of that? Um, constantly remind me when I elevate um, others over you. Father, I want to stand in awe of your, your glory and your majesty, not... In creation as I'm out and among um, your creation, but Father, also in redemption of what you did for me through your son Jesus, that I don't have to perform for you, 
that you love me just like I am. Father, that, that you, you love me. You, you loved us in spite of our sin. The scripture teaches that, that you demonstrated your love by sending your, Jesus in, uh, your son Jesus in spite of our sin. Not for what we would do, but you, you did what you did out of love. And so, Father, may I, rem- may I be reminded of that. For the person that's here today that, that doesn't know Christ, um, Father, would we may even have an opportunity to talk about what it's like to become a Christ follower. I pray they'd come to me after the service or Brian. And, and Lord, this next week as we seek to, to, uh, to elevate you, would you give us those moments of quietness that we just sit and reflect it may be by ourselves. It may be with our family as we talk about your greatness, your, your awesome power. Um, Father, I'm praying this next week that you will reveal to us areas of inconsistencies in our lives. I pray that um, those moments in time when we are living to impress other people, that you would stop us right there and the Holy Spirit would say, stop, stop, listen to what you're doing. Help us because we're weak. Help us because we're in need. We need you. Father, we we so desperately need you. Thank you that that we have you. We have access to you daily, moment by moment. May we live for you and may we be your people. May as we go in and out of our communities, may people know us as persons of peace. And and Father, um, may they know us as as being different, not because of necessarily our actions, but uh, Father, may they see the glory of God lived out in our lives, how we treat, how we speak. Thank you for this day, and Father, may you use us this next week to influence the lives of others because of what you've done in our lives. Let us live out a heritage of faith, not just talk about it. Um, May we make a difference in this community. That's what I'm asking today in Jesus' name. Amen.